So we're going to continue in our sermon series entitled Jonah, the unrelenting grace of God. And I think one question that I always know the answer to is, have you ever hit rock bottom? That thumbs up to the sound, but you give a thumbs up to hit rock bottom too. Every person in here has hit rock bottom at some point in their life. At some point, there's a feeling that I've lost everything. My life is not worth, worth anything. What is my purpose? I've let down God. I've let down my family. I've let down myself. There's nothing to look forward to. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I've got nothing left. I'm at rock bottom. I'm here to tell you today that that can be a beautiful thing. That can be a wonderful thing. That can be a God-ordained thing. That many times in our life, God is behind our rock bottom so that we reconcentrate ourselves and we have more compassion for people and we refocus our life to bring Him glory and glory alone because things get in the way. And God's not going to leave us being distracted, having other gods, having other tre treasures, having other priorities. He's going to break us down because he loves us. He's going to bring us to rock bottom to save our lives and to bring us back into the plan of God like we, so that we'll have an abundant life. We have a God that loves us so much that he's not going to let us run away so that we waste our lives. But he's going to track us down like we talked about last week. And sometimes he's used rock bottom. He uses rock bottom to reorganize our heart so our affections first are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, I, I visited someone in prison about two weeks ago. It was a little ridiculous because I tried to leave and they thought I was one of the prisoners. That's not right. <laughs> Especially one of the pastors. That is not right. So I'm pulling up to this facility and I'm looking at this prison and I'm saying to myself, wow. It doesn't get much more rock bottom than this. I mean, the decor is not beautiful, though. So, man, Rome's, come on now. I look up, I'm like, come on now. The social ethics in there, no one smiled. There's not a lot of happy conversation in prison. You've lost your freedom. The guards are telling you what to do, where to go. It just, it doesn't get much more rock bottom than prison. It was a minimum security prison, so I walked in, I sat at one of the tables, and I began to talk to this man. What amazed me about this visit was he was thankful to God that he got put in prison. He was thankful to God that he hit rock bottom. He said, if this didn't happen to me in my life, I would have either died or ran away from God, and my life would, wouldn't be full. I, would, I was too far off and I needed to hit rock bottom. I needed a wake-up call. I needed to be changed. I need this time just to think before my God, repent of my sin, analyze my life, see what's going on so that I can change. Only Jesus can make you feel like prison is good for you. Amen? Only God can make you feel like rock bottom. This is fantastic. I love that everything growing right now. <laughs> Only God, who loves you so much, will do that to you. I want to ask you, what is your rock God? Maybe it was prison for some of you. Maybe it was an illness for some of you. I've heard one of my favorite comedians all the time, he got a horrible illness at the end of his life. And he said, oh, thank, I thank God that he allowed me, not that God made him sick, but he allowed him to be sick because he said, 
It made me reorganize everything that really mattered. And I could love my family. And I could love my God. And I could... Maybe it's homelessness. Maybe the people who were enabling us for so long in our lives that finally said, enough is enough. And they said, time to move on. Like Jonah, they just tossed us out the boat. Whatever it is that God used as a vehicle that brought you to rock bottom, he did it because he loves you supremely. I want us to look differently at our rock bottoms when they come or if we're in them or if they happened in the past because the unrelenting grace of God sometimes makes us hit rock bottom. God uses rock bottom to renew our compassion for people, our consecration unto him, and our adoration for Jesus. I want to ask you this. Are you someone who curses God when you hit rock bottom? Are you someone who mourns over your sin when you hit rock bottom? See, there's two different responses. I was in my devotional the other day. If you don't have a devotional, Paul Tripp's Modern Mercies is spectacular. And he has this great point. He says there's a difference between those who curse and those who mourn. See, when we're following Jesus, we're supposed to mourn over our brokenness. And many times our sin brings us into our brokenness. And we're supposed to be contrite and mourn and say, God, this is my fault. I have sinned. I have ran away. I am being disciplined. I know it. I repent. And then it's those who curse their rock bottom. And say, why are you making me go through this? My life should be better. It shouldn't be that hard. I don't deserve this. Why is this happening? Do you guys see the difference there? What happens with Jonah is, God tracks down Jonah like we talked about the last few weeks. He disciplines him, throws him in the ocean, swallowed up by a great fish. And Jonah has the right response by God's grace and he mourns and he prays in the text we're going to read. We're going to read a text where Jonah's mourning and he's thanking God for his grace. So if you would turn to me, turn with me to um, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 through chapter 2. Jonah out upon 
dry land. So the first thing I want us to see as a church family is that sometimes when we hit rock bottom, God is behind us hitting rock bottom. And when you look at your situation, don't blame others for your being at rock bottom. You need to see, we need to see God's sovereign and providential hand in every part of our life. Jonah didn't say, man, I should have took another boat. Man, if I only looked at the weather forecast, everything would have been all right. Man, it's those guys who threw me out of the boat. It's their fault. What kind of friends throw you out of a boat? He didn't blame other things. He said, Father, I am a sinner. I'm in the pit because of my disobedience. Yet you still show me grace. And you're going to use this rock bottom to change my life. You know, a lot of us see the whale as the ultimate punishment. But I want us to see it differently today. I want you to see Jonah. We don't know how long this great fish took to get to Jonah. God might have made a paddle for a little bit, a little doggy paddle out there in the ocean. I don't show the fish was like, hey, he got thrown off. It was like, shoot, whoop, she just dropped him in. Jonah gets in that ocean, little doggy paddling, what's going on? It's over. I'm going to let go. Just let me go to the bottom of the ocean. A great fish, we'll tackle this in a second, but a great fish comes and swallows him up. Do you think the fish is a punishment? I'm here to tell you today the whale was a rescue vehicle. You guys hear me? Your rock bottom could be a rescue vehicle. Who knows if he was too tired? Who knows what he had left? God chose to use this whale for three days so Jonah could be sanctified, purged, and reconsecrated unto him. It was a rescue vehicle. What is your rescue vehicle? What has God used in your life? When you were rock bottom to say, this whale came along. This isn't punishment. This is God saving me. And that's what we need to see. Don't curse these situations. Long for them. Repent and allow this vehicle to take you. Just like Jonah was brought to land, fully repented, spit out, vomited out on the beach, and ready to go. We've got to see God, that a God that loves us and puts different rescue vehicles in our life. Now the big question I'm going to ask is, did a fish literally swallow up Jonah? Or is this just some allegorical story? Like, like a parable or something like that. Let me tell you this. I think that God miraculously caused the great fish to swallow by Jonah. And let me give you some simple answers. Some not huge theological answers, but just some simple reasons. <clears throat> One is because Jonah is a literal historic figure. You see him in uh, 2 Kings 14.25. You see Jonah as a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. He had a ministry as a prophet. He was a real person. Secondly, this is the one that hits me the biggest. Jesus in his ministry, he brings up Jonah. Talks about the sign of Jonah. He says, I'm a greater Jonah. We'll tackle that later on in the message. So Jesus brings up Jonah. When Jesus starts talking about people literally, I start believing them about them literally. Amen? Not too many amens. Okay, we're going to work for that. Nineveh. If you look into redemptive history, look in the history itself, Nineveh did repent and was used sovereignly by God actually to bring judgment on the northern kingdom. So we see Jonah's action in his life that Nineveh, this great evil city that we'll be talking about next week, repents and is used in the sovereign plan of God. And finally, I believe that God can do miraculous when it comes to appointing a great fish to swallow Jonah in order to implant this story in eternity's conversation. 
That's what the miraculous does. It implants these stories in eternity's conversation. Like, you're going to be up in the kingdom of God just like, can you believe that? Stories are made miraculous to bring glory to Jesus so that you'll never forget them. If they were just like everyday stories, they wouldn't stick out of your mind. God used this fish to bring glory to the name of Jesus. He uses everything to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you're investigating. I want to know the size of the softness of the whales. Can they really swallow Jonah? I know what species can swallow what. I know the story that James, I think it was James Bartley in the early 1900s in Paul Island. They were out whaling. They were going after a sperm whale. The sperm whale consumed him. The dude got swallowed. His boy started following the boat, harpooning the whale. 18 hours to track this bad boy down. They finally get the whale with their buddy in it. They're like, he's done. But they start breaking it down for the blood on the oil, right? They get to the stomach. Stomach. Who's in the stomach still unconscious, bleached from the gastric gases? This is the way the story goes. He's unconscious. They take him out of the belly of the whale. It's been 18 hours. They throw him on the deck. He comes to. He's crazy for three weeks. They just throw the brother in the room. You know, so you got to work through this, man. You got to that You know? Three weeks just. Then he came to. Even to this day with that guy. In Gloucester, England, his tombstone says the modern day Jonah. Right? Now, that's just that story. But God was involved with this story. And he, however he wanted to do it, he allowed a great fish, we don't know the species, to swallow up Jonah. So Jonah's in the heart of this great fish for the purpose of sanctification that he might walk in the will of God. You guys hear that? This is very, very, very important. Because what happens to Jonah in his rock bottom is where you see the grace of God because, and hear these words, in his rock bottom, in the belly of this great fish, there is a renewed sense of compassion towards others and consecration unto God. That's what happens in our rock bottom. See, Jonah's compassion for others, does everyone remember why was Jonah running? He didn't want God to have compassion on the Ninevites. He didn't want God to show compassion to a certain city that he didn't like, a certain people he didn't like, who he believed were outside. Who should we love and save by God? And I want to ask you today, are there people who you believe, people groups, that are outside the compassion of God, and they are not even worthy of the gospel to be preached to them? That's an important hard question. A very important hard question, because that's what happened to Jonah. You will never follow your calling if you don't have compassion on people and consecrate yourself on God. Did anyone notice what happened in Jonah's boat last week when that storm came and everyone started getting scared? How did the other people who didn't even believe in Jonah's God, they believed in many gods, and they cried out that they were pagans? Does everyone know what happened? They tried to show compassion to Jonah. They tried to love Jonah. They even knew he was responsible for the boat. What they tried to do is they tried to row harder. Just tried to row. We've got to save this brother. God's chasing him down. They tried. They tried. And it came to a point even Jonah was like, just talk to him. It's no use. You can't row against God. You guys are trying to show me compassion, and I'm thankful for it. These are people we didn't even think were worthy of salvation are trying to help him out in his life. People who he has no compassion for are loving him, are risking their lives, are rowing and trying to save him. And he has to witness this. And he sees this. 
Lord. They repent of their pagan worship and they put their faith in the one and only God. They begin to worship the true God. Compassion is all around Jonah now. He doesn't like these people, no compassion. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk about them. And God saves them. That's why he says salvation belongs to the Lord. And many of us need to hear this. Because we think that we're passing out salvation tickets. I like this guy. He believes like me. Same political view. We're passing out salvation. And God saves, saves who he chooses. He saved us, didn't he? We're a mess. Imagine your salvation was up to someone if you met their parameters of who you should have compassion on. None of you would have compassion on me. I'm telling you, I'm judgmental and God sacrifies me every day because I've got all these hidden laws and people break them daily. Wow. Right? We'll preach your Boston gospel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that guy. Love. All of a sudden, all that joy of salvation 
starts coming back. He says, I'm on fire. I'm ready to do this. You show me mercy again. I'm about to love people and preach the gospel. Some of us need to hear that today. Has your passion for God waned? Do you need to be reconsecrated unto the service of God? Have you become complacent and lukewarm and just going through your everyday life like an average American instead of being called to lay down your life daily to see people brought from darkness to light? See, the lost found. You need that passion because the world is telling you something different. It's saying, just live like this. Live for yourself. Live for material things. Use all your time for yourself and your family. And Jesus is saying, come take up my cross and take up your cross and follow me. We need that passion. We need that reconsecration. And only rock bottom will do that. When I was 30 years old, I hit the hardest rock bottom of my ministry life. For you, those of you who don't know, I thought I was God's gift to the public. You understand me? I said, God saved me. New England went out of You guys are blessed because God saved me. So what happened? I felt like every time I opened my mouth, people just get wild up for Jesus. I was like, I'm about to pray. But my gifting was ahead of my character. And what God was about to do to me so that I can serve him in any capacity was bring me to rock bottom so that I could consecrate myself with the things that really matter, which is loving people. And um, Serving him and him being the only treasure. When I was 27 years old, I left the church that was unhealthy, started a Bible study. This Bible study started to grow. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. Then I said, man, let's go Sunday mornings because this Bible study grow. Then people showed up to hear me preach. I was like, this is serious right now. People are coming to hear me preach. But what happened was the honeymoon phase passed relatively quickly. And I realized, man, I don't have the char character. The theological knowledge, I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is how to get up and shout at people. And I had met a friend. His name was Matt Cruz. And um, we played competitive softball together. I think I told you guys about that. We need sanctification in that. <laughs> and he said, Joe, will you do a pastor track with me? And I did a year-long pastor track with about four or five guys. And at the end of the track, they said the hardest question to me ever. Say, so Joey, we think you should shut down this little church plan. I didn't even know what the church plan was. Shut it down because you need more training. Come with us, we'll train you and we'll replant this church. That was the hardest decision in my life. I didn't realize that when I made that decision, right, I would hit a rock bottom like I never hit rock bottom. I felt like I had no purpose every day. I remember being in the shower one day and saying, I don't even want to live. That's how rock bottom I was. My identity, that was a big thing that God encouraged. My identity was in the church plant. My identity was in a calling. My identity is how many people there. My identity is where we are. My identity is other people see how awesome I am. My identity was found in things rather than Jesus. And God wasn't going to allow that, so he dropped me to rock bottom. I treasured other things above the thing that's supposed to be ultimately treasured. And I went through four months of the worst depression of my life. Four months of the worst anxiety. When I tell you that I didn't want to walk into the church that I decided to go to every day, you have no idea. I just gagged all of you. I would get like throw up every time I went in the church. If I said, God has called me to this, I feel like I'm puke. I will puke right in the sanctuary and move on and say, God called me here, wipe it up. <laughs> 
But God brought me there, and I remember being there the first couple months, and it was the hardest thing, and I said, Father, don't let me lose what I feel right now around bottom, because right now we're my treasure. Right now my identity's being as a child of God. Right now there's nothing else that I need except for you. And by God's grace, I brought that into a newness of season with Restoration Road. But that only happens through rock bottom. See, I could have cursed and said, God, why did you make that church grow bigger? God, why did you give me a gift of preaching and not enough people showed up? God, why did you send more leaders? God, why did you give us more money? God, why did you do this and that? But by God's grace, I said, God, thank you, because I was running and I couldn't stop myself. And I loved to praise a man too much, and I loved all those things too much, and I needed to be crushed. Because if I did not go to rock bottom, I would not be living my life right now for the glory of Jesus. Amen? And that's what we need to hear and see God's hand in our rock bottom. And finally, God's unrelenting grace in Jesus. So what I want us to start seeing, and we'll probably do a sermon series on this in the future, on anyone here at Typology, I'm not going to make it too big of words, I'm going to try to put it in layman's terms, alright? But I believe that, and this is so funny to say, Jesus endorses this view. Uh, <laughs> Because of a certain scripture that we're reading in a second, but typology, let me give you a, a simple um, explanation here. It can be explained as a person, a place, or a system, a thing in the Old Testament that was pointing to something in the New Testament. 90% of the time, something that happened that was getting us ready for Jesus, that was pointing to Jesus. Okay, I'm trying to keep it simple here. Um, for example, let me give you some easy ones to grasp. And let me tell you why. Remember, Jesus said to the Pharisees, Pharisees were like, they didn't like Jesus. They thought he was breaking the scriptures and doing all this kind of stuff. And Jesus said, listen, if you really knew what the scriptures were about, you'd see I am who I am. But you know nothing of my Father, the one true God. Therefore, you cannot see that the whole Old Testament, the whole Bible at times, is basically about me. If you read the scripture right, you'd understand this is about me. So let's give an example. God puts in the institution. Anyone ever wonder why they sacrifice animals in the Bible? Like, isn't that a little odd? Everyone bug out right now. Church say, listen, next week we're going to sacrifice a goat. Come on, it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Dave's going to do it. Slice him up. But that sacrificial system, right? What is that institution pointing to? That's a type of Christ that's pointing to Jesus who will be the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Does everyone hear that? So that's typology. That's a type that's pointing to the anti-type, which is Jesus. So it's a shadow of the things to come. Jesus says that Jonah was a shadow of him. He was a type of him. He says he is the greater Jonah. So if you turn with me just to um, Matthew 12, 38 to 41. I want you guys to see this because it's a principle you're going to need as you grow in your faith. It says that some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Does everyone see that principle in there? 
What does he say? Just like Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, the son of man, what? Will be in the grave for three days and rise again. Also, just like Jonah, Jonah preached repentance to Nineveh and they repented. What is Jesus preaching to everyone, the Pharisees and them? He's preaching repentance. He's saying someone greater than Jonah is here. You should repent. Jonah was just pointing to me. And if you understood the scriptures, you understand that I am the greater Jonah and you fall to your knees right now and repent. That's how I want you to ultimately see the story of Jonah. That it was getting you ready for Jesus. It's like this. Who goes to Storyland here every year? Come on, bring your kids to Storyland. You need to repent. We go to Storyland once every summer. Let me tell you, we pack up, everyone's excited. We get in that car, the first half an hour is just excitement. The clock is 30 minutes, it's like, are we there yet? Everyone knows it. Like a kid doesn't know that Storyland's not as close as the gas station on the corner, right? It's always caring. Right? <laughs> like, this is a two and a half hour drive. So that's the first hour. Second half hour is just filled with those questions, and you just want to show compassion towards your children. The second hour, you're saying, man, should I wait to go to the bathroom at Storyland, or should we stop, right? That's everyone's mind. Should I wait, should we stop? Then what's the, you get into that third hour, what's the question if you've been to Storyland with family? Have you seen the sign yet? They never, you think you miss it? I think I miss it every year. Now they can we pass the sign. Can we see the sign? Joe, with the signs up there, no, we miss it. I'm telling you, we miss it every single year. Pray for me. And we're looking for that sign. And finally, when we see that sign, that storyline sign with the roller coaster, you're almost there. The crowd goes wild in the car. <laughs> Experience 
salvation. So final thought here. If you're someone who has not put faith in Jesus today, and God has moved in your heart today, you say, wow, this is a God that shows grace. You've been convicted. You have a sense I need to repent. I need to walk this road of salvation and follow Jesus. The scriptures say, all you must do is repent and believe. Would you please repent and believe today? Maybe if you're at rock bottom, God's using that to bring you into his arms. Repent and believe. Put your faith in Jesus and follow him. He will baptize you next week. Today is the day of salvation. Please hear that. Restoration Road. God loves us so much that he brings us to rock bottom place sometimes so that we might have a new sense of compassion for others and consecration unto him to do the will of God. What I want most to come out of this message is a renewed sense of compassion and consecration, but a new sense of exalting Jesus because he hit rock bottom for us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.